Warning, this episode contains adult language and adult humor. Since when have trumpet players ever been considered adults? If you are easily offended by these types of conversations, consider switching to the oboe. Welcome to the Trumpet Gurus Hang podcast. I'm your host, Jose Johnson. My guest for this episode is Sean Billings. Sean is a Los Angeles-based trumpet player who has a love for music from all cultures. Sean has toured the world as a longtime member of the Brian Setzer Orchestra and is a founding member of the genre-bending band Jungle Fire. Sean also plays a vital role in the future of music education as part of the faculty of the groundbreaking Musicians Institute. So, pour yourself a big glass, pull up a chair, and let the hang begin. Welcome to this episode of the Trumpet Gurus Hang, and uh, I am joined today by a fantastic trumpet player from uh, LA area, Mr. Sean Billings. So, Sean, what's hey up? Guys. Good, man. How are you? Oh, well, you're out there in the fun of the sun, and I'm out here in the cold. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. All right. I'm doing good. It's all good. You know, it's all yeah. good. Yeah, so, it's kind of my, my stock answer when people are like, how you doing out here? I'm like, you know, every day looks the same <laughs> weather-wise, and you know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I um, I got turned on to you by uh, a friend of mine, Chris Cromer, who um, sure, uh, you know, Chris was like, "Hey, man, you, you should really check this dude out. I think he'd be a, a great fit for the show." And and I started to check Very out cool. some of some of the the stuff that you've been doing. Um, and I have to say, I'm just gonna jump right into it, man. I really dig the Jungle Fire stuff. That oh, is. Oh, man. That is that is so slick. That is so much fun. So yeah. Um, yeah, so there'll be some links in the show notes. So you know, okay, want to want to jump. Anybody wants to jump in, check on on uh, some of the stuff that uh, Sean's doing. You know, there'll be some links to some YouTube videos and things like that. But um, let's let's just go ahead and talk about Jungle Fire a little bit because yeah. that's a really interesting um, approach uh, that you guys are taking. So uh, how did that all come about? And yeah, what's, what's yeah here? so. Yeah, cool. Um, so the way that came about, um, gosh, I'm trying to think, I, I, I'm not sure if kind of how many years we're going on doing it, but I'd say it would have been, you know, eight, maybe like eight years now we've been kind of doing it. And the way it started was there was this really cool kind of like DJ residency that was going on, uh, and, and mainly, mainly like downtown LA and it was called soul session. I think it was soul sessions. Yeah. And long story short, I get a call from our bass player, uh, this guy, Joey Reyna. And the idea was one of the DJs there was just had made a point that like no one was kind of revisiting a lot of the Latin breaks, uh, that, you know, a lot of hip hop records were sampling just, you know, that kind of era. And so he had this idea of just Joey putting a band together to do one show. And we were just going to learn a bunch of breaks, kind of do like, you know, like a 35 minute set back to back where we kind of treated it like a DJ where there was no breaks. We were in one song, you know, whether we finished it, we would go to the next song with that right. you know, particular break and all that kind of good stuff. So anyway, so we did that gig it went really well and the idea at that point was just going to be one show it was just kind of you know i remember when i got the call and uh i always kind of bust joey for it because 
he was like, all right, well, here's like 45 minutes of music, but you know, there's no charts. So you just got to learn it. You know, I was like, okay, you know, I'm down, you know, whatever, create a project, you know, but then it was like all this Fania stuff and like really in-depth horn parts. I'm like, what? oh man, like what am I doing? Right. But uh, it, it was worth it just to kind of dive into that stuff and, and really kind of internalize it. Um, so anyway, so that show went well. And uh, the, I, you know, I forget what kind of, we were just kind of sitting there talking. Hey, we should just keep on doing this, you know, and, and maybe write a couple original tunes, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so we kind of got a couple different members in the group. You know, we were like, if we're going to do this, you know, let's do it right. So we, we kind of had some, some guys in mind that I think we had originally reached out to, but couldn't do the show. And it was, you know, kind of getting the right dudes. And, um, and I think right off the bat, what work was that some of the guys really came hip hop background, uh, specifically kind of like the rhythm section. Then, you know, we had three percussion players, obviously Afro-Cuban influenced. Um, I think all three of them had studied in Cuba, Colombia, you know, just really knowledgeable of that kind of stuff, just coming from that world. And then, you know, the horn players obviously coming from what everything that we had experienced kind of all over the map. So it was good in that sense where it just wasn't like a Latin band or it wasn't like a salsa band because it could really turn into that. And, you know, if we were going to kind of do it the way we're hearing it, I mean, there's plenty of dudes in this town with crazy chops that we've had sub in the band since then, you know, that was like, oh, okay, you're amazing, man. But this, this quite isn't the vibe, you know? So, right. I mean, that's a you know, different story, but um, yeah. So we, we came up with two tunes and went into the studio, laid them down and basically just had a 45 and, um, our percussion player, one of our percussion, uh, Steve Haney, who was originally in the Grey Boy All Stars back in the day. Yeah. He, yeah. you know, he just, he's, I don't know, man, that guy's hustle is, is a sight to be seen because it's just nonstop. But he was kind of like the driving catalyst to get that 45 into a lot of DJs' hands, not only like in the US, but in Europe as well. Um, and so from that, 145 we booked um uh, a uk tour i think it was 10 days i actually couldn't go because i was out with setzer it was you know obviously just planning wise but it was really funny because we get this uk tour not even having a record out except for two songs you know right. like eight minutes of music um so anyway so the, the fellows went out and did that tour and then when we came back we were like, we got to do a record. So we just started writing and, um, and I should backtrack a little bit. I think, um, you know, you'd mentioned kind of the vibe and, and the sounds we were getting. One thing with, with the jungle fire sound is we record on, um, an old Tascam 388. So eighth inch tape, uh, we're not using. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it's very janky in that sense where, you know, we're not back then, you know, we're not, I think it was completely analog. There wasn't any computer stuff now. Now we kind of, we still record through our 388, but, you know, we'll dump it down into the computer just for, you know, to have it. And and obviously with the lockdown and stuff like that, we've been writing and it's, we just figured out this is a good way to, you know, kind of keep everyone separated and, you know, right. until we can kind of get back in the same room. But yeah, but it was really funny, you know, for me getting back on a 388, that was kind of the first time. And it was, you know, 
kind of like, oh, can we can we punch that? And you're like, well, probably not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, you know, you need a good couple of seconds on each end. So right. it definitely elevated me as a player. Like, okay, I gotta I gotta step my game up just to play the way I want to and everything. So so anyway, so yeah, after that UK tour, came back, wrote a bunch of stuff and uh did the record. And then that record, which was called Tropicoso, um we uh, a really dear friend of ours who really believed in the band in the beginning and she's kind of one of those power players in town booking shows uh nancy ortega she got us in with national records which is a real big latin alternative label um and we signed like a three album deal with them and uh you know i think off the bat it was i was aware of them just because i had done a lot of Latin pop stuff in the past. Uh, I was playing with Gloria Trevi and Joan Sebastian. So I'd kind of been involved in that scene a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, it was really interesting. I kind of laughed because I was like, man, we don't sound anything like what they have as a label, but it was a it, the uh, the owner of the label, Tomas Cookman just dug it. You know, he was like, man, this is really cool. We don't have anything like this. And, um, and they're really big on license, you know, kind of perked our ears up about, yeah you know, getting some stuff in commercials and film and TV and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, so we've done three records with them and uh, our deal with them was only a licensing deal, which kind of allows us to still release other material if we want, or we can do remixes, which coming from where we're at in that hip hop scene, a lot of DJs have kind of our stuff and yeah. uh, it's been a good relationship. So yeah. And, you know, we're just kind of, evolving the sound um you know since that uk tour we've done uh we've gone down to brazil colombia we've done spain a few times um mexico and kind of friggin' somewhere but you know every, it, it seems like every place that we go to we really try to absorb something from that area um you know i remember when we went to Colombia, we went to Mampos, which was where kind of like the magical realism, uh, you know, literature movement started. And uh, one of our percussion players is from Colombia. So I, I just remember going down there and just being overwhelmed of, of kind of what was going on. And, uh, you know, I remember listening and we have video of it. It's really cool. There was these kids in the streets just playing music and, uh, from what we are listening to them and some of the rhythms and melodies we're doing, we had turned that into a song off the second record. Um, and it just was, a, it was a cool just growth of the band, you know? So um, yeah, I'm excited to kind of see what we'll do for the fourth record. Um, you know, it's, I mean, obviously right now things are a stand. So we just, we do have a studio of our own, which is kind of nice. So we've been pretty productive during this whole lockdown and all that kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. yeah. That's that's kind of the gist of the band, you know. Oh. So, yeah, so what, fun, what, if you had to describe, because I've read a few, you know, different descriptions of it. Yeah, uh, you know, sure. What, yeah, it, it's funny. I I heard, I've heard like I think the funniest word was like if James Brown, Fela Kuti, and like Ida Carey had a baby, <laughs> that's what it would be, <laughs> you know. So it's a, but you know, on the same length. It, it is funny because like, like for me, you'll, you'll have, I, I, you could say, you could ask every guy in the band, everyone will have a different opinion, you know, because there's certain things that 
I don't really listen in, don't really listen to as far as a genre that I feel has like influenced my playing maybe. Mm-hmm. Whereas I could say like, yeah, I'm just, you know, listening to Afro Cuban stuff all day long. And that's what kind of influences me, even though I might be aware of other elements of the band's sound. Whereas like, you know, you ask one of the guitar players and they're like, nah, man, I don't listen to that stuff. I listen to this, you know? So yeah. I think that's what makes it work is everyone kind of brings their own thing in there. But yeah, I mean, in in a nutshell, like it's, you know, we've heard like the term tropical funk, um, you know, psychedelic tropical funk, whatever, like all those kind of elements, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I always tell people, listen to it, make up your own decision, you know, yeah, there you or go. make up your own, uh, you know, it's too hard to think about. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it, it is definitely funky and, and uh, yeah, has, has a nice groove. And, and if you, you know, a, a lover of the trumpet, you know, there's, you, you're doing some, some pretty tasty stuff there, man. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. You know, that's, it's funny too. I, um, I was doing another like, you know, podcast kind of thing. And, uh, and they were kind of asking the same thing, like as far as like writing the horn lines and um, you know, I, I, when we're because we the horn section we've done master classes and stuff like that and and it's it presents a challenge for us when we're writing the music to think along the lines of not being too busy with the horn parts but <laughs> writing like because there's no singer like a melodic idea that some just random music listener can kind of sing along with you know some simple line you know and so um when I was younger in some of my original, because I, I started kind of doing original bands when I was like 16, 17. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've experienced too, is like non-horn players are always like, oh, it's too busy. It's too busy. You know, yeah. like play less, play less, you know. And then by the time I got to Jungle Fire, I was very aware of that, of like, it'd be very easy to be like, you know, write some crazy horn part. And, and there's a few things that are definitely very, very difficult. But as far as like, the you know the busyness aspect and it's it's it can be a challenge to like not do that you know because it'd be very easy just to kind of spew a bunch of notes and be like all right cool we're gonna we're gonna crush it on this one yeah but uh you know more time more often than not it's a lot of editing mentally like all right let's keep it simple and and all that kind of good stuff so you know it's it definitely keeps us on our toes so yeah yeah it's kind of like the whistle test thing right yeah so yeah for sure for sure yeah because and it's funny though. I mean, I, I'll be totally honest, like in those times when I might not agree with like, Oh, you know, it needs to be less, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure 99% of the time, if I listen back to like the demos, I'd be like, Oh yeah, they're right. Like, you know, it's much better that way kind of thing. So. Yeah. Cool. So it <laughs> yeah. sounds like it's, it's pretty much a collaborative effort. in the Yeah. Band. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's times when, I mean, usually the, the best way the band writes is um, so just for, and for the format, it's two guitar players, bass, drum set, three percussion, trombone, trumpet, and barry sax. And, um, you know, we found over time that the best way is the, the rhythm section without the percussion, they just, we just give them some time to come up with something. And um, from there, the percussion players really kind of do a lot. They do a lot of like really cool hybrid stuff um, mm-hmm. where they're pulling from like, you know, African rhythms, Colombian rhythms, putting it together. Um, so we let them do their thing. And then from there, you know, the horns will 
we'll kind of come up with our part. And, you know, there's definitely times when uh, it's not that, but that always seems to work really, really well. And I think for the most part, the last record, uh, which was our self-titled one, um, I think that's how we did it. We just kind of did it just, you know, just how I mentioned and it worked out great, you know? So, and, uh, but yeah, sometimes, you know, there's a lot of cooks in the, uh, in the kitchen, so to speak, but I think, but you know, with like, with that being said, it's, I think everyone in the band is very respectful. Um, you know, we're all kind of seasoned and, and experienced a lot of things. And so even when there might be musical disagreements, it's always very respectful and, you know, it's never like a, an ego thing it's always about what serves the music um and the biggest thing too we've noticed especially like during the lockdown um we've been writing a lot of us have been doing stuff that you know put it together and it's like this is really cool but it's not jungle fire but i want the same guys to play on it you know Mm -hmm. and so we've been doing stuff um that's not jungle fire but it's the same crew you know so that'll get you know released as something else and um you know, I think we're talking about even doing some stuff just under a fake band name, you know, just call it something else and not yeah. even like give credit, you know, we'll have some fun with it. So, right. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, keeps it yeah. fun. Yeah. You got to have fun. So, you know, you were, you were saying that, you, you know, you, you've done some, uh, some Latin gigs uh, previous to, yeah. to Jungle Fire, but uh, what sure. would you say like is your primary, you know, what, what's been your go-to, what's been, been your home base in terms of your playing? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's growing up here, LA, Orange County, like I, everyone really to work in this town, you really got to be able to play all different styles. Um, And so, you know, I kind of always encourage that to like younger players, like, man, just play the horn, you know, learn the different styles, blah, blah, blah. But for me, yeah, I think that my main work is just, you know, it's kind of lead trumpet kind of thing. Um, you know, commercial, uh, big band and Latin. I mean, that's what I always enjoy doing. That's kind of what I mainly do. But then again, you know, I, I do sub in the orchestras and um, in town and, you know, for whatever reason, fooled a couple composers that I worked for that are mainly classical <laughs> guys and I tend to do their sessions, you know, whatever. But uh, I mean, I do, I do like to play everything, but, um, you know, I if someone was like, all right, you got to pick one style, I'm definitely going to probably go for more of like the Afro-Cuban stuff. Um, you know, it's like, uh, as a kid, I lived in Brazil. And then when I moved here, I mean, obviously Brazil makes much different than Afro-Cuban. Right. But uh, when I moved here, I just got into the scene of that stuff. I mean, and there was always a need for horn players. And so, um and some of my very good friends that I met when I was younger happened to be Cuban musicians that had recently moved to LA and just by sheer dumb luck got involved with those guys. And so, yeah, that's kind of evolved from there. But then again, man, like I love playing big band. I, you know, uh, I play, um, or I should say I'm always loving to do jazz stuff. And, you know, I have a, before lockdown, I had a, a cool gig just doing a quintet in uh, this private bar for Jack Daniels and we'd play a couple times a month. It was great. We just play standards and, you know, so uh, I think it fits my personality. I'm such a, probably my ADHD kicking in and it's like, Oh, today I'm going to be a classical player and tomorrow I'm going <laughs> to 
yeah. <laughs> something else. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's just uh, I just like to play trumpet, so it's it's you know kind of that thing. But it's you know it's funny, man. Like even though I consider myself a lead player, I'm totally happy just sitting on third trumpet and enjoying myself. So it's like you know I'm down to I'm down to play whenever and whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's an important thing, you know. It's like a, a lot of times we want people want to get just you know so pigeonholed, and there's nothing wrong with going deep into a niche, you know. But sure. uh, especially as as the industry has changed so much over the past few decades, uh, you know, the days of being that one trick pony, uh, yeah, they're they're long gone. You know, you you've got to be. Able yeah, to yeah, is and and it's funny because I some of the very best musicians I know don't even do it full time. Like they have like what you would call a day job, you know, in, in a different industry. And it's, it's pretty refreshing. And I, and I definitely respect it because they'll be like, yeah, I don't, I don't do wedding gigs. I don't do, you know, like a pop gig, you know, they're just doing whatever specific genre there is and that's all they do. And that's all they want to do. And you could call me like, dude, I got this, recording session it pays this much money and they're like no nah. <laughs> they're like i just i don't want to play that kind of stuff and it's it's really cool like i totally respect it but you're absolutely right though um when i'm working with like my private students you just got to be blunt with them it's like if you want to do that go for it but it's like in in my experience i i i enjoy my career being well-rounded and being able to do different things and, and that's just what i like to do but yeah, it's, I mean, there is even some of the like more purely orchestral players that I'm really good friends with are amazing big band players, you know? So it's like, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, I kind of laugh when people are like, oh, you can't do both at a high level. And it's like, well, maybe not. <laughs> but yeah. I think we can, you know? So Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, you know, you, you may not be the best at, you know, exactly. all of them. but if, you know, if you, if, if you've got chops, if you've got the, the abilities, then yeah. it's, it's music, man. It's yeah. I mean, I, um, I was really fortunate to have some really great teachers. And so at the end of high school, I started studying with Wayne Bergeron and, you know, I started with He's a hack. Yeah. I know I showed him everything, <laughs> but you know, Wayne was really good with that where we would just kind of sight read, um, you know, and I, and I think I had pretty good chops coming out of high school, but it was raw, you know, and so he was really good about come over. We're just going to sight read and throw a bunch of different stuff in, you know, and, and this is how you play like this. And um, and then I was also kind of off and on studying with Dave Washburn and, and Dave is, uh, you know, does a lot of the big movie soundtracks and plays in the big orchestras. And, and, and Dave was great about like, cool, I'm going to treat you. This is how you play orchestral trumpet. And, you know, we're not going to let you sound like a commercial player playing orchestral trumpet. So, so that was really beneficial, uh, just getting those experiences. And so that's what I, I, you know, I try to think about like when I'm going down to play something is this kind of thinking about it for a second and being like, all right, how do I approach this? What do I want to sound like? No, with that being said, I'll still like have elements slip in. I'm like, Oh God, you know, I got to fix that, you know? Yeah. So I'm always trying to like, and it's funny too, man. Like, I mean, I hate to say it, but having this break has been nice because I mean, I've been feel, and you know, I know a lot of people are obviously in not good situations. Um, but just speaking for myself, the amount of time that I've been able to practice now and, and 
pull out the list of all this crap that I got to work on. And it's like, all right, finally I can practice this and, and, and get it going instead of, you know, running around sitting in traffic all day long. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, you know. yeah. A, a few people have, have uh, said that, uh, you know, that this time has given them the ability to focus on some of the aspects of their playing that they didn't have time to work on because you know, you're just so yeah. you're busy either gigging or just trying to maintain you. Know, if you're a lead trumpet player, you, you, you've got to keep your, your chops and your endurance up and maybe you don't yeah, have time absolutely. to work on other things. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. That, that's the thing, you know, it's, um, you know, I, I'd always laugh, like, you know, some friends of mine, colleagues, you know, we are always like trading ideas off and uh, I'll have some, you know, friends hit me up for, couple lessons like on, on lead trumpet stuff. And they're like, what do you do to like, just keep your endurance up? And I'm like, you're not going to like what I'm going to say. <laughs> you know, it's just like, like you ever seen those power lifters? I'm like, it's pretty much the same thing, you know, just do the Maggio for four hours a day and uh, yeah. go play a salsa gig at 1am and you'll be good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, it's, it, it, you're right. It is right though. I mean, I think that um, for me, it's just been beneficial. Like, uh, managing my time and, and all that kind of good stuff, you know, which is nice. And, and hopefully, you know, I, I was joking with a, a good friend of mine who's uh, Barry Perkins, who's the principal trumpet player in the Pacific Symphony. And uh, we were joking. I was like, man, we'll be back to complaining about our gigs in no time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Hopefully, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, that's, that's the thing, you know, people, uh, it, it's part of human nature, you know, we'll, we'll complain that we're not busy enough or we're, yeah. We're too busy when, when we have stuff to do so yeah uh, yeah but yeah that's and you know it's funny we mentioned that too it's i i think uh for me i've noticed being able to do a lot of different stuff and, and especially like original projects too like i've always gravitated more towards doing like original stuff um i i generally feel happy about the music that i get to play and the fact that i get paid to do it it's pretty cool so i don't I kind of made a point to myself when I was younger is like, I don't want to get to that position where I'm pissed off at the world and angry about what I'm playing and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I want to enjoy what I'm doing and, you know, kind of made that point. Like if I get to that, you know, I told my wife, like, am I ever just coming home, like complaining about stuff? Like, let me know. So I go do something else, you know, cause I don't, I, I love doing it too much. I don't want it to turn into that, you know? Yeah. I do have friends that are like that, you know, and, and God bless them. I love them as friends, but it's like, dude, like, why are you doing this? You know, do something else. So, yeah. you know, so there's easy, easier lifestyles out there. <laughs> oh, ain't that the truth. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, you're, you're playing uh, with, with Brian Setzer. Um, uh-huh. uh, obviously you weren't playing with Brian this year, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh uh, that has to be a fun gig. I mean, the, the, uh, all of that, that holiday yeah. just, I mean, there, there's some swinging arrangements and yeah. I know the lead trumpet book is not an easy book in that band. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's great. I, I tell people like, I, I have a really good relationship with Brian. I think he's a great boss, very chill, like very generous. Um, when I, I started the band and, 2006, I think that's when it was. And um, I originally came in playing third trumpet. Uh, that was kind of the chair that was open. Um, we actually, had, there was three spots that were open. Uh, Steve Reed was the lead player. And then um, Brian Scanlon, myself, and Jamie Havorka came in at that time. And uh, it was 
you know, to this day, still one of the best trumpet sections that I've been wow. involved with, like over, you know, an extended period of time. Yeah. And we all got along really well. And I mean, if you've heard Steve play, I mean, it's, he's an absolute freak of nature. Yeah. So, you know, it was kind of like, I think, you know, I maybe did like two lead charts, you know, and, and then, you know, I think, uh, you know, same with Brian and Jamie and then Steve would do everything else. And then, um, so yeah, so that was the section for a couple of years. Um, you know, we got to go to Japan a few times and then obviously the Christmas tours and yeah, I mean, it's like, what more could you ask for? It's like, you're on tour buses, uh, you're playing in a big band. It's great. The vibe is cool. Um, you know, it's kind of like the old days, so yeah. to speak. And then Steve left to do Prince's gig. So he got hired with Prince. And then I think Jamie had left at the time he was doing like Paul Anka and he's, he's doing the Eagles now. I don't know when that started. Um, so Brian and I kind of jumped up to the first and second chairs and then James Blackwell came in as well. And at that point we just kind of split up some of the charts. Like one thing we noticed is like, to go on the road for like six weeks and basically it's like you're having four lead players in the band but you know we don't want somebody sitting on third and fourth for six weeks and then going back home and then having to do like a lead gig the next day and be like totally out of shape right so you know it's like come on let's let's just have fun so yeah so we kind of split it up and uh you know i mean everyone had to pull their weight but i mean yeah there's some ridiculous stuff in there i mean the we'd always joke about we do this arrangement of angels we have heard on high and at some point somebody had, you know angels we have heard on high a's because there's like eight double a's in the chart you know right. it's like and it's not like stuff where you can kind of half-ass it it's like it's got to be there so it was uh but we have good fun i mean there was never there's never this um i mean obviously we're always playing at a very high level or forcing ourselves to but there's not this idea of if there's a mistake you know you're going to get in trouble or you're going to get fired it's um which helps everyone play looser and just right. and swing hard that kind of stuff um yeah so you know time will tell i i obviously didn't we didn't do a tour this year and i had subbed out i didn't i did 10 years i think without subbing out a show and i subbed out the christmas tour um would have been three two years ago or three years ago whatever it is now uh just because I had a show in town and, and, you know, with the kids and family stuff and, you know, just kind of needed a break, but um, yeah, we'll see you going forward. It's, it's a great gig and, and it's a nice gig too, because we're not working frantically all throughout the year. It's just, you know, got the Christmas tour, maybe a couple of private gigs and then, and that's it, which is nice. So you can kind of commit yourself to other things as well and not just be, you know, kind of lost in the shuffle of being in a band for so many years and not available to do other things, which can be a concern. So right, right. Yeah. Well, and I love what you said about you know the that the mood there, the um, kind of the vibe of you know, you're playing at a high level, but there's not that uh, overwhelming pressure that you have to. Yeah. You, know, you got to nail everything every night, and, and you want to do that, but you know. Yeah when you feel that, that pressure, like, man, I cannot screw up, then that's when screw ups start to happen. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I think that if you get to that level and you get, whether you win an audition or you get called to do something, um, you know, you're going to be expected to perform at a great high level. 
but I don't think you need somebody in your face telling you that. Like, you yeah. know, you wouldn't be there if that's not the case. And so if you encourage everybody to be themselves, um, it just makes you that much more relaxed and it's going to sound better. You know, yeah. I mean, that that's kind of the way I treat it. So, and, yeah. um, and you know, like if I'm running something, if I'm, you know, I, I do a little bit of contracting in town and if I'm putting something together, like, uh, a horn section or even if it's like non-horn players um, it's like I want everyone to know that like we know you're here for a reason like you got the gig now just do what you do and, and we want to make it sound correct and whatever you need to do to do that that's what we're going to do um, and you know it always ends up sounding better that way anyways so, yeah yeah well know. there's a lot to be said for that because uh yeah, we already put enough pressure on ourselves and uh yeah, you know absolutely. performance anxiety can be a, a horrible thing yeah 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 it's it's one of those things where I, I you know i i think we're i i it was i remember years ago it was really funny i i overheard it we were doing a gig and uh and it was a it was a, i think it was a latin thing actually which you know obviously it's not the element is more of a party but it was uh trombone player took a solo and uh, I think it was a one of the bands it was two trumpets two bones bone player took a solo it sounded great it really killed it you know and then he was like oh man it wasn't the greatest solo and the other trombone player turned to him and he's like and look how many people care you know and, and it, it just was like don't take yourself so seriously like relax you know and and it's true a lot of times we're so hard on ourselves that the things we hear in our playing you know, a lot of times don't, you know, yeah. um, no, that's not always the case. You know, there's yeah. definitely situations, you know, it, it's funny. We did, uh, uh, before, right before the lockdown, uh, we did the Academy Awards this year with Elton John. And, uh, and so the trumpet section was myself and Ron Blake and, uh, and Ron had put the section together, but it's, you know, it's so funny. We we're just talking. It's like, man, no matter how good we play, there's gonna be somebody on, you know, Facebook like, well, you know, I would have played it better than that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, oh god, like these couch warriors, you know. So you just gotta get to that point where you're like, whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you you, uh, you do teaching as well. Uh, you you're yeah. uh, the Musicians Institute. Are are you so? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that um, can came together a few months ago. You know, they they just recently kind of decided that we were going to try to launch the program. Um, so from Musicians Institute, for those who don't know, uh, kind of like a rock school, basically. It's been around I think, since the 70s, but mainly, you know, vocalist, guitar, bass, keyboard, drums, you know, that kind of vibe. But for a, a few years now, because I, I remember I'd kind of gotten sounded about it. Uh, a few years ago, uh, my friend Ron Jubla was uh, putting it together, and they're real adamant about starting a horn program. And so, um, basically, probably like last year, uh, I started writing the trumpet curriculum, and we, you know, the full idea was to launch. Um, God, I guess it would have been the in the summer last summer. I forget; it's all a blur now. Anyways, because of the lockdown and not having kids on campus, we decided to postpone. So the program will launch um, 
as far as the horn program when we can all get back on campus so you know we're, hopefully fall we'll kind of see what happens but uh it's pretty cool like for me they uh, ron was like you know i want it's a, a school where musicians can come and learn how to get into the scene and so it's going to definitely air more on the side of commercial music pop you know rock getting into that scene um obviously we're going to focus on you know latin music and and classical too like all that kind of stuff but one of the things that we're going to push there is like showing you how to work and not not just like audition based um you know so much of the work in la um, and you know around the world too is just not auditions like word of mouth and and just knowing people and, and all right. that kind of stuff so we're really going to kind of treat it like that um i mean obviously i would say if someone's like a hardcore orchestral trumpet player yeah this is definitely not the school to come to you know like right you know you know where to go to but this is like how to get involved in uh in that scene of the rock band that has a horn section that's you know um and ron you know he plays uh he was Ricky Martin's guy during the uh, La Vida Loca years, and now he plays with Joe Bonamassa, but he's also one of the heads of the entire school. So he's just a wealth of knowledge of, like, how to work and how to always have gigs. And, you know, he always tells younger players, he's like, you know, go after the gigs that no one else is doing. You know, don't feel that you have to go play in a big band or you have to go play in an orchestra. He's like you know, find the ones that no one's going after, you know, yeah. for like rock and roll sax, like he's the dude and he kills it. And it's a, re and it really opened up my eyes too, to a lot of stuff, you know, um, and kind of he, another great example, one of those guys that, you know, don't call him for a bargain. He's not going to do it. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, he's got, he's at that other level, you know? Right. So yeah, so that's, that's kind of what we're going to try to do with, um, that school, you know, and so instead of learning, you know, not that we shouldn't learn this stuff, but like some of the trumpet concertos you might need to learn, you know, freshman year, it's like, all right, dude, like we're learning September, we're learning Earth, Wind and Fire, all the Michael Jackson stuff like this, you know, if you want to work, you need to know this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the way we're going to go about it. So, yeah. Yeah, so, that, so, okay. yeah, so yeah, it's cool. So it's more like a pragmatic approach to yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, when they, yeah, when they hired me um, and then we actually brought in also Mark Pender is going to be on staff. So Mark oh, was Conan. Nice, yeah. yeah. So Mark, you know, obviously with Conan O'Brien for all those years and then Javier Gonzalez and Javier does mm -hmm. Dancing with the Stars. So the three of us have definitely thrown around ideas of like, you know, thinking outside the box because I remember for me as like a young player when I was going to college, like, I mean, again, outside of my private teachers there was never ever any talk about how to get gigs and like what i should be doing it was kind of like band practice is tuesday you know like okay yeah. <laughs> but I it was never someone sat down and be like all right man like this is what you need to do this is and you know and and it's so i'm trying to bring that experience of what i learned to that program you know um because still to this day i you know obviously i know you know as well like of networking and all that kind of stuff still to this day some of the guys that hire me the most that are dudes that i grew up with you know yeah. uh, guys that turned into producers that you know took their career went off or composers that are 
you know, getting really busy. Um, and so it's that networking thing. I mean, because there's plenty of other Chumpa players that could call, they, they could call that'll do a great job that probably play better than I do. But it's that relationship over the years that they know what's going on, you know. And, I, and I, a lot of times when we're younger, we don't get that all the time, you know. Yeah. It's just kind of kind of block mentality. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do there. And then, yeah, and then, you know, I have a, a private student uh, studio as well. And uh, and that one, I kind of make it more just, you know, you come in and we're doing Iron Glassberg and all that kind of stuff. And, and I enjoy teaching younger players and, and, you know, all pro guys come in too and take lessons and stuff and just kind of show them some things. But, you know, I like to, I mean, for me in my practice routine every day, I do a lot of fundamentals um, you know, I just was kind of ingrained in me back in the day. And so I enjoy showing that to younger players, like, all right, man, like, I know this is boring as hell, but let's do it. You know, let's do some Schlossberg. We'll do Maggio, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, but, you know, now with all the technology, it's great. Cause I, you know, organizing my own life too. Like it, I do enjoy being able to like, show kids stuff and, and all players like, Oh, check out this recording, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just, you know, it's a lot easier nowadays. I mean, you know, when we were coming up, it was like, go buy the record, check it out. And you're like, what? Okay. Like, yeah. all right. I can't, I can't find it. What do I do? You know, now it's just like, all right, man, just look it up. Yeah. <laughs> You'll find yeah. it. So. It's pa- passing the cassettes back and forth. You know, that, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, man. I still love cassettes. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I kind of missed like the vinyl era but I, I started with cassettes, you know? And so it was, um, you know, God, I don't know. And then obviously CDs. I mean, I think, I think I got around 5,000 that I, I bought with my own money, you know, over the years. And it's yeah. just like, Jesus, I spent a lot of money, <laughs> but you know. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it was an investment in your future. That's the way you have to look at I know. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, so, but I, I really dig that idea though. Um, the, that the MI has got going on there because it, I've had this conversation with a lot of people, especially those that are, that are in uh, higher education. And there's, that's, they keep saying, you know, yeah, the one thing that's kind of missing overall in the standard curriculums is just the practicality. You know, it's like, sure, everybody can play, but you know, there's more to it than playing. And it's it's that relationship building Mm -hmm. that's so vital. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Well, I, I, I tell people and, you know, the best advice I got when I was studying with Wayne, he told me not to major in music. So I actually didn't get a degree in music. I got a degree in business and finance. Um, Cause at that time, you know, I, I, I was a freshman and he was like, man, he's like, if you want to play, you're going to play. And he's like, I think you're good enough. You'll be fine. But he's like, I would recommend getting if you're going to finish college he's like i'd recommend getting a degree in something else just and it wasn't like to fall back on it was like just to make you a more well-rounded person you know and uh and he's like you never know like 
what can, I mean, obviously look, look kind of what we're dealing with right now. Exactly. But it's like, you know, you never know what's going to, you could get hurt. You could get, you know, take an elbow to the mouth by accident and your career is over, you know? So he's like, you don't want to be left, you know, kind of out in the cold. And so, you know, I tell people, well, when we were talking about this MI thing, it's like, you know, I think one of that was really good advice because there wasn't like this uh, system of like how to work. It was kind of like practice and then go audition somewhere. And it's like, well, that doesn't really, I mean, obviously in the orchestral world, yes, but all the other stuff is just networking, you know, a hundred percent. I mean, and you know, a lot, I mean, there's been, I think the last few gigs that I've, you know, kind of like some touring stuff, there was an audition, but even so it was like an invite only is, you know, bring in three guys, four guys and be like, all right, this is who we want to use. Yeah, it's not like an open um, casting call. It's, you know, a, yeah. a friend of a friend of a friend sort of thing. Yeah, and but I mean, that's the thing, though. It's like, you know, if I am if I have to contract something or, you know, when we're looking for subs with like Jungle Fire or something, it's like we know who we want. Like, okay, we can do an audition. We're still going to pick the same dude or girl, you know, that we wanted to begin with. Like, so you know, you, you need to keep that in mind, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I try to keep that thought process too. Cause you know, I, I, as we all know, trumpet players can be a little finicky and like, Oh, why am I not on that gig? Why, you know, how'd he get that gig? And it's, I try to keep that in mind of like, man, all the gigs that I've gotten, like there's definitely people that could have easily done it as well. And so for whatever reason I got it, you know, whatever reason, they got it. You know, I, I had a, a fun, and we won't name names, but like some of my buddies and one of them was complaining about somebody doing something, you know, and I was like, yeah, but they just be doing that. Like, have you heard how they play? Like, it's amazing, you know? So it's like trying to keep that in check. You know, I think that's really important and in uh, rooting your friends on when they, when they do get success, because, you know, it's, it's good for everybody. You know, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. You know. So uh, let's uh, let's do the very typical. You know, if you can't be a trumpet player, not talk gear. So uh, you're. Uh, oh, I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> right. How big of a gearhead are you? You know, it's funny. I, if you ask my wife, she'd be like, "Oh, he's awful." You think if I'm in the uh, the realm of trumpet world, I probably right down the middle of the road. I'm I'm not too bad. Um, I think, let's see. So I, I played Bach trumpets high school. So I started on a Bach and I went to, I played on a Bach 72. And then that was like through college. So I was like one horn. Then I went to a Canstel and then to a Yamaha. And then, yeah. And then I got in like, I'm a Yamaha artist now. So I had a couple horns in between there. I, you know, I kind of inherited a few more, like Pecan Constellation 36B, yeah. which is uh, yeah. fun to play. Yeah, I do. Like, I just wish they felt better in the hands. But, you know, I uh, I remember hearing Brian McDonald for this time live on one. I was just like, oh, my God. God, dude, I got to get. Yeah. So, so and he and I become friends. And I was like, all right, man, like, you know, tell me how to play these guys. But, um, but yeah, so uh, not too crazy in the horns, you know. Um, but I, in my collection, I mean, I play, um, actually during the break, I I played a Yamaha Zeno 
for a long time and just kind of wasn't working. I found a first generation Bobby shoe, mm-hmm. uh, Z horn that I really like, man. I was, I was playing on a Colicchio uh, copy for a long time and uh, I still kind of more cool of that one. Um, just from slotting things and it, it but um, I'm really digging this, the shoehorn and a couple little things I got to adjust, like as far as the slotting, but it, it works really nice, you know, um, queen on flugelhorn. Like I bought it in high school. I still got it. Um, you know, I love it. Uh, piccolo trumpet is my uh, Yamaha. Like, you know, I had a showkey for a long time and, and I actually really enjoy playing piccolo. So I have one of those. Mount Vernon Cornet. And so, yeah. And mouthpieces, like, uh, I'm playing all on GR stuff right now. Like, I really like those. Before those, I was just playing, like, on a Bach, you know? And I yeah. was uh, I was on well, one of the Setzer tours, and, and Wayne and I were talking, and Dan Fernero, and like, man, you got to go see Gary uh, from GR. And I was like, okay. And then and, and Fernero was like, Man, like whatever he tells you, just go with it. And it's like, all right, cool. And so he got me dialed in. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I I think it's stupid to not be a gearhead knowing like, because I think you should know what's going on. Like, and for me, it also makes me a better teacher if I'm working with people because, um, you know, a couple students that are having problems with like a break, you know, like, oh man, I can play a high C, but I can't get the, or I can play a high D, but the, you know, the C sharp doesn't come out, you know, whatever. Um, knowing how to fix that comes from my experiences with gear and, and things like that. So, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of accepted the fact that things are going to change. So, you know, I'll probably change mouthpieces again at some point. Um, but I'm also just trying to be aware, like I do have a pretty, good mouthpiece selection like i have about six or seven grs but they're very different ones but i do a lot of different work you know so yeah. i'm not going to go in and play the sets or lead book on a medium cup <laughs> like you know it's yeah. just like i'm not that guy you know so i'm gonna go pretty dang shallow and uh but it you know just makes it work so yeah um that's that's kind of where i'm at you know yeah. um but you know it's i've always I I have a sound in my head that I like to sound like. Um, and it's really funny because when I was kind of going, when I've recorded myself over time, you know, or just listening recordings, I think I can always pick my sound out, but I definitely forget which horn I was playing on. And it was funny because I recorded, I have an old Benj as well, my MLP, the Khan, the Calicchio, and the Bobby Shoe. And I recorded all four of them over like the course of an afternoon in my home studio. And I would play them back. And I'd, I'd be lying if I said there was like a big, they all kind of sounded the same. Right. It's, it sounded like me, but it was like, which was probably the worst part about it. It's like, oh yeah, great. <laughs> Sounds like me. But, you know, it's like, man, there's, there's hardly a difference. So I kind of laugh at guys when they're, I was teaching a lesson to this guy in New York when I was out there and uh, he was playing a horn. He's like, Oh, this is cool, but it doesn't have the sound that I want. And I was like, well, change it. Like, you know what you want to sound like, man? Like don't, don't overthink it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Then you're just buying into the people that are trying to sell you the trumpet, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know, I know a lot of guys that, uh, you know, 
especially now with with uh, doing a lot more home recording, um, that we'll use different horns for different tracks, yeah. just just sure. so you don't get the phasing. So just just enough of a yeah. difference to, to create just that that yeah. I've, I've done that. Um, I did. Um, I actually just did a cue for the stand that new Stephen King uh, television show on CBS, and uh, I don't know what episode this particular one is for, but it was a cue with 11 trumpets. So I recorded all of them. So the composer um, uh, is Nate Walcott, who's a fantastic trumpet player, also plays keyboards with like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And okay. uh, so he called me, he's like, yeah, man. He's like, he's like, I don't know. I want to use some C trumpet, B flat, whatever. So I, you know, I, I took out a couple different horns just to kind of give it that section vibe, you know, and, and kind of, I'm sure they'll kind of EQ things on their end, but um, yeah, you know, you can definitely do that to, to kind of change it up a little bit. And, you know, for me, it's just kind of fun to play a different horn, you know? Yeah. yeah that's All right. Cool. Ah, it's cool. Let's try it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think the bottom line is that like you're saying, you know, the sound is coming from you. So it's, it's not the horn. Oh, yeah. the, horn the horn will make it a little easier or sure. add a little bit of, you know? Yeah. So my whole take on it, th this is just my experience, you know, that every trumpet is different, even like if it's the same brand and the same model, it's all different. And there are certain notes that slot differently on different horns. And so, um, you know, I do like, I know for a fact, like that if I have to play like, you know, a G, G sharp on my Calicchio, it's like, it's so there and I, and I don't have to think about it. And those notes on my Yamaha are a little, uh, and so I just accept it. It's like, all right, you know, I'm, and I, you know, I, I know we can kind of adjust things, but um, I just, I'm aware of that. And yeah. so again, it's just being a smart player and, uh, but you're right. I mean, it makes it a little bit easier, but then again, like <laughs> if I play on my Calicchio for a minute and then go back to the Yamaha, on the Yamaha, the G's are there fine. You know, it's so bizarre. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. so it's a lot of witchcraft in there. Just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Trumpet <laughs> voodoo stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, and we, you know, we kind of do that on the Setzer thing, kind of trade horns and it's like, how's it sound? It's like, sounds like you, man. You know, sounds like you're playing the trumpet. So, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, you know, I, I just try to, again, not to get too down that, dark hole you know yeah. but just accept that I, I think bobby and i love bobby shoes whole approach on it and i had seen him recently we did this quincy jones alumni big band and and he was sitting in the section he still sounded amazing man he's like whatever bobby's 79 80 now yeah and uh you know he's he's always that that quote of like the right tool for the job you yeah. know so i think it's really important and uh you know uh, but then again, it's like, I know guys that are one trumpet, one mouthpiece, that's their thing. And that's great, man. Like whatever works for you. Yeah. But for me, I don't, you know, I switch around and you know, kind of do that. Yeah. So. You're not, you're not quite at the loose so off level though. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's funny, man. My, uh, my dad actually went to elementary school with him in Lakewood, New Jersey. Oh really? So, yeah. And he, and he didn't really remember him. He was like, ah, kind of, but my grandmother, she was like, oh yeah. She's like, I remember the family, you know, it was so cool. And I didn't, I only talked to Lou 
once on the phone, but it was before I knew the story. So I never got to, to share it with him, you know, but man, what a, an amazing player he was. So, oh man, he was, yeah. he was. Yeah. So anybody that, that says you, you know, you can't play at a high level, you know, if you switch mouthpieces. <laughs> oh no, not at all. And, and I remember I, w- I was really fortunate to study with Winton a little bit um, from time to time when he was either on the West coast or at times I was in New York and, and, and he really, and he knew I was, you know, focusing on lead stuff and, and he was adamant. He's like, just listen to Lou, man. Like he's got the style and all that kind of stuff. So it's coming from Winton. It's like, yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he, I think he knows a little bit. So. <laughs> just a little, just a little, oh, just a little bit. <laughs> so uh, in, in terms of, uh, in terms of your approach, uh, particularly like as a lead player, obviously yeah. that you, you work with uh, with Wayne and you know Wayne yeah. is kind of right now he's he's kind of the I guess the the standard bearer for for lead trumpet like this next generation or the current generation yeah. of lead trumpet. Uh, Bobby obviously you know uh, Bobby really kind of he did so many really interesting things in terms of uh, helping us understand trumpet players understand some of the mechanics, but uh, you know there's yeah. the other guys that that you think like you know you really kind of influence your, your approach, your, your mm-hmm. sound, your concepts. Yeah. I mean, for me, for, so for my generation, um, you know, the, I, I think the first guy that I was really aware of, and then this is because the record came out when I was in high school was, was Roger Ingram. Cause with the Harry Connick jr. Stuff. Yeah. And so when was it blue light, red light or red light, blue light, I always forget the order. But when that record came out, I mean, that was such a hit at my high school. And I, w- I was really fortunate to have a, a good music program. I, I grew up in Mission Viejo, California. I went to Capo Valley High School. And some really great trumpet players came out of there. And so we just, that was the first, like, holy crap. Like, I've never heard a trumpet player kind of play like that. Right. Um, you know, and so that was a big influence. Um, and then really quickly, that opened up, you know, because Arturo was very famous at the time. So I was kind of like an Arturo guy over Maynard at that point, you know, for the high note stuff. Right. Um, if, if we're just talking like lead trumpet, kind of that scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, oddly enough, the, the first trumpet player that I got hip to was Roy Hargrove when I was in junior high. And I mean, he's probably only like, I mean, 20 at the time, maybe. Yeah. 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 You know, and my mom had bought, my parents were both musicians and uh, my mom had bought, uh, one of his CDs. And so, uh, that was really cool. I, I never heard somebody play like that, you know, just cause I, I mean, <laughs> to this day, I've never really heard people play like Roy, but just hearing that was kind of, was part of that development development process. Um, but yeah, so it's, if we're just talking lead trouble player, obviously, um, when I started hearing Wayne, big one too, uh, Arturo, I was always into the Afro-Cuban stuff. So, uh, you know, some of those those records were always big time. And then, you know, then from there, really quickly got into Conrad Gazzo, Snooky Young, Porcino, those dudes. And just from, you know, people like, oh, you should check out this record and, and right. whatnot. Um, so I try to, I, I love elements of all those guys. Like, yeah, being able to study with Wayne was amazing. Um, I've got to play a few times with Roger in the Kent alumni band. And that was just really cool for him being like a big influence. And then him being one of the most genuine and very nice people that you will meet. 
And um, it was a really funny story about him too, because when we came in, I, he was playing lead. I was playing second. And I remember, you know, I, I just don't want to do anything to piss anybody off. You know, right. so I, I felt like I was playing a little loud. So I leaned over to Roger and I was like, oh man, am I playing too loud? And he's like, no, no, you're good. You're good. Cause I felt, you know, and where I'm going with this is Roger projects like none other. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'm like, just let me know. He's like, no man, we're good. And so at night I walked into the auditorium where we were playing and he just happened to be on stage warming up and I was in the back of the hall and it was like a laser beam crushing my skull. And I just laughed. I was like, damn, I'm like, he's burying everybody in this section, you know? And so that was really good about, that's when I really started thinking about practicing and kind of the stuff that Bobby would talk about and how to focus your sound and, and you know, efficiency and where we're going with that. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, it, if you ask me tomorrow, I'll probably have a different opinion. But for me right now, like I'm on a big Gazo fix, just yeah. listen to all the Billy May stuff. Yeah, just, you know, it's such a cool vibe and just the attitude behind it, you know, but I, I try to pull from all those guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think they're all amazing and they all have different elements and um, and they all really know what they're talking about. You know, if you take the time to listen to how they play, like it's always coming from a very pure element. And uh, and then when you meet him, I mean, obviously, uh, I got to meet, I met Snooki a couple times. I, I know a lot of the guys in town, I play with them a bunch, but I only had minimum interaction, but total gentleman and you know, really cool and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but obviously, you know, more experience with, with the other fellas. And, uh, and it was funny too. And I, and I studied with Bobby, if, uh, just, I just, I think only one lesson with him, you know, it's probably like a four hour lesson. And, in like 10 years after the fact it's like when some of the stuff that he mentioned started to make sense and i'd be like oh that's what he was talking about yeah you know? so um you know so that's always kind of gives you a chuckle when things like that happen yeah but yeah i'm, I'm you know i'm i'm not a. I, I think all those guys i i love it all to hear it it's just like man it's so cool i loved bill chase too like i i love that stuff you know and it's um you know, whether I'm conscious, I don't, I don't think consciously I was ever aiming for a specific sound. Mm -hmm. um, it was just kind of the way I heard things, but subconsciously, I'm sure everything that I've heard has gone, has gone into it, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, there was uh, a big time when all I was listening to is like, uh, and I was never like a big kind of listening to lead stuff. I was more into drummers, always been in listening to drummers, um, you know, sax players a lot. And so, um, yeah, I mean, there was a, probably four or five years all I was listening to was like, you know, Winton and Freddie Hubbard and a lot of classical music, you know, so I, I just go through phases, you know, right. just kind of whatever. Um, now I'm listening to a lot of Ethiopian jazz um, and just kind of like, uh, there's a really great label called Analog Africa. They have a, a band camp and, and, you know, they have, these beautiful vinyl releases and everything they put out is great. And I'm, you know, trying to support those independent labels that are really trying to put out stuff that was never released. So I'm always searching for new stuff, you know, as, as much as I can just to kind of grow as a musician as well. Yeah. I think that's really important. So, yeah. but yeah, if, if you never heard I'm, to the younger players, I'm like, the, a lot of times the records just don't do it justice. You've got to hear these guys 
live and it's it can be overwhelming. I remember the first time I heard Arturo live, it was like 94. And I, you know, of course heard the records and it was incredible, but to hear it live, like, you know, five feet away from you was just like, what, <laughs> what is happening? You know, same thing with Winton. I remember the first time I heard him, um, his sound just filled up the entire hall and it was at a big concert hall, I think at Pacific Symphony Hall and um, just overwhelming, you know, how, how big it was, you know, it's, it's so I always tell people like, is, is, awesome it is to listen to recordings like you got to go see it live you know so yeah there's there's nothing like that and i mean i'm certainly for many reasons uh looking forward to the day when we can go and yeah. live music again yeah uh, both both from Fingers the crossed. festival side and you know and from the the enjoyment side of you know being able to sit and listen to somebody play but yeah there, there's uh it's it's really interesting because like when you talk about you know, somebody like gazo who's his sound is like like a house, you know. It's like oh, it's yeah. this huge sound, and it's not that somebody like Roger doesn't have a big sound because you know Roger definitely right. has. A big sound, but like you said, it, it's that extremely focused sound that just yeah. that, that slices through everything, and yeah. it's 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 funny to to see how I think the, the sound has started to to gravitate a little bit more. Maybe it's because of the use of electronics, you know, in the, in the older days when you're playing with a big band, you know, you just yeah. you have to have that big wide projection. And, and now with everything, you know, it's more about how it's going to print on, well, used to be print on tape and now yeah. it's you know, how it translates uh, to the digital formatting. Yeah. But, well, that's, it's, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. I mean, I, I grew up playing outside, you know, doing marching band and drum corps. And I was actually talking to Arturo about it because Arturo lives in LA now. And he was like, yeah, man. He's like, I could go practice in the stadium when he lived in Cuba. And so I think for me, growing up, learning how to project because, you know, doing marching band, like, okay, you got to play to the press box. You got to project. Yeah. So I, I did that for 10 years, you know, like um, five years of drum corps, four years of high school marching band. Like you just figure out how to do it. It's nine years for you math majors. <laughs> and so, but I remember like, when I switched over to my Calicchio trumpet, that it, I felt like it didn't quite project as much as the horn I was on at the time, but my goodness on recording onto the microphone night and day. And I was like, dude, like 99% of the music I do is into a microphone. So if I lose a little bit out there, it really doesn't matter because I'm getting on the tape and, and that horn really, I was like, oh, that's the sound I was waiting for. And yeah. so, yeah, there's different, there's definitely, you know, that element. So it's interesting, though, like, I, I'm curious if, you know, the sound concepts change again, you know, because I think that, um, you know, I, I, I'm positive, like thinking positive that like when things start getting back into gear, you know, there's gonna be a lot of live performances again. And, and, you know, that's why I grew up as a player is playing live. I want to play live. I want to play in front of people and have a good time and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you need that big projecting sound, you know, and, and uh, I think that's really important. Even when you're doing orchestral work too. Um, you know, like I was saying, my, my buddy, Barry Perkins, like, listen to that guy. Holy crap, man. Like that fool projects out the building, down the street, <laughs> to the next zip code, you know? So it's like, 
you know, and, and he doesn't change it when he's recording. So, you know, we can, we can still make it big and, and all that kind of good stuff. So, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, it's, I always just tell people like figure out, you know, study everything and see what you like and then just kind of go in that direction, you know? Yeah. So, but you know, that's my take on it. Yeah. Well, yeah. You got to stick with it. You know, it's, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. All- yeah. Yeah, that and that can be a problem too. Is like not sticking with it. Like I'm gonna do this for a week. Oh, it's you know, not. It's like, oh man, we gotta take your time. And and I try to tell people that too. Is like, you know, if you're looking for the the quick fix or you know those kind of things, you might be a little sad or kind of frustrated. You know, so it's like just having that patience. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think in our society nowadays too, there's so many people want that instant gratification yeah that it can be kind of a negative thing and so it's a you know dealing with the trumpet i think kind of keeps a lot of us in check because there is no uh you know there's no winner yeah 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 (laughs) on our end you know (laughs) it's only only temporary victories so yeah yeah exactly that yeah that's what i was looking for temporary victories (laughs) yeah it's just a small one like okay i'm good so, yeah. Oh man, I know it's chaos. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, wouldn't have it any other way. All right, yeah, well, of course, man. Well, what we're going to do is, is uh, we're going to wrap things up uh, with uh, the segment that I do every show, and it's called the Robinsons Remedies Rapid Fire Rounds, brought to us by our good friends at Robinsons Remedies. Uh, oh, I love their stuff. It's uh, great. Man. Good stuff, man. Yeah, a buddy of mine sent me some samples, and I I just ran out, so I'm like, I gotta. I got to re up. So yeah, whatever's in that stuff is, uh, Oh, pretty wow. rad. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I cannot do a gig without that stuff. I mean, I'm just like, yeah, where's my stick? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure for you guys too, in the cold weather, it must be amazing. So, you know, it's a, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's good stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, great. Thank you, Kenny. <laughs> we love you, Kenny. <laughs> so, yeah, all right. It's going to be a series of, of, uh, just questions all over the place. And I just, okay. Your uh, best answer, and we're going to get started with the first question, which is, who's the biggest influence in your life that is not a trumpet player? Uh, my dad. Right. Yeah, Jack. Yeah. What's your favorite book? Oh, favorite book. I'm going to go with. It's going to be a Kurt Vonnegut. Let's go, Bluebeard. Okay. Uh, random one. Yeah. What's the worst movie you've ever seen? Oh, it's got to be one of the Marvel movies. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Obviously, you haven't oh, seen Wonder God. Woman. Oh, I heard it was brutal, right? <laughs> oh, it's brutal. It was brutal. Yeah. Uh, worst movie I've ever seen. I'm going to go with, oh, dude, you know, it's probably some crap my wife made me watch. So one of her picks. <laughs> anything, there. On, anything on the hallmark channel yeah well, yeah she's into those like period horse and buggy things yeah yeah you know, so, so that's my wife she so. gets one of, she gets one of those and then i get like a mat to like put you know stick it to her a little bit you know <laughs> <laughs> all right uh if you weren't a trumpet player what would you want to be um i have definitely don't have the intellect but like a physicist just because I'll, I'll, you know, I'll hear like DeGrasse Tyson talk and I'm just like, yeah, man. 
And then, you know, 30 seconds later, I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but so, he's got a nice vest on. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm always... I'm always fascinated by that stuff. So. Yeah, I dig that, dude. Um, yeah. What's your favorite drink? Uh, scotch. Mm, single malt? Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, it's funny, man. Like, I'm not going to be an elitist and say, you know, I only drink single malt. But I love single malt. But the best that I've had was a blend, the Takatsura 21, Japanese whiskey. Mm. And then, but then on the opposite end, uh, you know, like an Ardbeg that'll peel the paint off your chest, you know, with the uh, the peat on that one. So, yeah, I'm, I don't I don't discriminate with my scotch. <laughs> the best scotch is a free scotch. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're uh, going to have a dinner party and you're able to invite any three living people to this event. Any three okay. living. All right. Dalai Lama, for sure. Um, that must be fascinating. Hmm. Well, I was going to say, uh, who's the cat that teaches at Caltech? Won the Nobel Prize as a physicist. I'm drawing a blank. You know what I'm talking about? I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, I'll come back to it. Um, I think the Pope would be interesting. I'm not, you know, it's not a fail, but I think that would be fascinating to talk to somebody like that. And uh, I don't know. Let's go with Shaq. <laughs> Why not? No, you know what? Charles Barkley. That I would love to rap with that guy. I think that would be comedy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just don't go golfing with him. That's all I can say. Yeah. So okay, I can't think of the, the physicist. How about Terrence Malick? You know, the film director? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like his stuff. It's, you know, kind of like the artistic kind of thing would be would be a fun conversation. All right, cool. All right, yeah. so you're going to have uh, three additional chairs, and you're going to be able to invite three other people. But these people are any person from history, so anyone who is no longer with us. right. Yeah, okay. Uh, it would be cool. I think, well, Kurt Vonnegut, I, I mentioned that I really like his writing. Uh, I think he'd be fascinating. He seemed like he was kind of grumpy towards the end. I don't blame him, but <laughs> kind of, you know, can't blame the guy. Uh, who else would be interesting? I mean, I, I, I guess talking to like, Somebody like a Lincoln or, a, you know, a, a, one of the big presidents, maybe FDR. That'd be kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah. Or like, a, actually, you know what? I take that back. Let's scratch him and go for, um, no, nah, we'll keep FDR. <laughs> um, and then Louis Armstrong. Oh. Yeah. And yeah be, why not? Yeah, I got to have one of the guys. Yeah, maybe exactly. Stravinsky could, he could jump in there too, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, stop. those are those are good questions. You know, it's funny, man. Like when I've heard other people get asked those kind of questions, and like immediately I'm thinking of names. I'm like, oh man, I'd have this guy. And then when you ask me, I'm like, oh man, why? Why can't I think? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Lacquer plated or raw? Ooh, 
funny. I kind of go over that place lately. Plated, yeah. Gold. My, but Gold raw is cool too. Yeah, yeah. Silver, silver plated. Yeah. Right. But uh, yeah. But raw, my flugel's raw. Coronet's raw. So yeah. don't yeah. ask me. I'm a, I'm a disaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite quote? Favorite quote. Um, I, I got a paraphrase, but I like the one that Mike Tyson said recently about people talking online. Oh yeah. The way they, the way that, you know what I'm saying? When he's yeah. like, the way they treat people is the, or the, the way they talk is I can guarantee you they never been punched in the face or something like that. Yeah, social, media, that. social media gives people the courage to say things uh, without having to worry about being punched in the mouth. Oh God. It was so funny. And I'm like, of all people to be saying something, you know? Yeah. Um, it's absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. It's, it's funny. Like, I, uh, you know, yeah, just, I don't engage in that stuff anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it's, it's too nuts. It's too. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. yeah. You want to talk in person or on the phone? I'm, I'm down, man. But, uh, you know, to try to, you know, act like I can get my thoughts with a uh, nuance and fluidity across when I write is a, a losing cause. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. Here's your next one. What's your greatest fear? Fear, greatest fear. Um, you know, I was thinking about, you know, my dad passed away uh, two years ago now. And, in you know, very humble, soft-spoken kind of guy, uh, you know, military, Air Force, test pilot. And uh, went on to be one of the head test pilots at Boeing. Oh. And so thinking about his you know, he would go out and, and fly, the, you know, the second the plane was finished, he's the first cat that would take it up, <laughs> like, yeah. better or worse, you know, let's make sure, let's see what happens. And so I was just thinking about the, the amount of lives that he affected by getting these planes, like, this is cool to go into service, and then flying around the world, you know, and, so, and obviously, hundreds of millions of people have been flying on planes, and my dad did. So I just want to make sure that, like, when when my time comes that I get to leave a little something that kind of influence some people or kind of leave a little mark, you know, and it's like, I don't need big fame and glory. It's not, not that, but I just hope that um, kind of living a life that has purpose and kind of living, you know, leaving something that might stand the test of time. And that's kind of like doing recordings of original music and stuff like that. So um, I don't really think about it though. Like if, if, you know, to give you an answer, that's what I would say, but it's not like this thing in the back of my mind. I just kind of take day by day. So, yeah. um, you know, so yeah, I would say something along those lines. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, you are going to be granted one superpower. What would it be? To be able to sleep on airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Yeah. I'm the worst. Uh, yeah, that or uh, I don't know, cure aches and pains. <laughs> like when I wake up and like my foot's hurting for some reason, like what the hell's going on? You know, I'll yeah. take that. You'll take I'm that. I'm easy. One. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm easy. All right. <laughs> All right. What aspect of trumpet playing do you feel is the most overrated? Uh, 
Yeah, high notes. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. And uh, what aspect do you think is the most underrated? Uh, sound, tone quality. Yeah, okay. and uh, also articulations. I would say that's that's something that I I really had to work on. Um, and, and to this day, just refine. And I think articulations are are something that kind of gets thrown away um, mm -hmm. with within detail. But uh, but right above that, I would have sound concept. You know, so okay. Um, you are able to go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice about music. What would it be? I would tell myself, and it's funny, I, I do think about this stuff. Um, I would tell myself to think more about exploring music and becoming a better musician than just working on technique all the time. Um, and I, and I say that with, on the aspect of, I've always, I think in retrospect, I've always actively looked out for, you know, different styles of music and genres of music and all that kind of stuff, but really getting down to the nitty gritty part of it and, and how to like, not just be aware of it, but how to play it and sound authentic. So I, I would say that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and while you're back there, you're going to give your younger self one piece of advice about life. Hmm. When you're on the road, don't go to the third bar. <laughs> you can go to the first bar. You can go to the second bar. Don't go to the third bar. <laughs> okay, you take it to the bridge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's good right. advice. <laughs> All right, and uh, here is the final question. What do you want your legacy to be? Oh, man, these are good questions. Uh, you know, I, I just want to... I want people to like, when they know that I'm on the gig, that they smile about it and they're like, all right, cool. Sean's going to be there. Not like, ah, oh, this guy, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I want to be known as somebody that was fun to be around, got the job done, made the gig just a little bit better. Uh, you know, whatever it is. And, and hopefully just people, uh, and, and, I mean, I don't really think about this. Um, that I, the original music that I do, I do it just for me or for you know the guys that I'm involved with. So if people like it, cool. If they don't, that's fine too. But it, I would hope, you know, that there's some aspect that they enjoy. Um, but that's not an overreaching concern of like why I'm doing this. It's more for me. But um, yeah, so something simple like that, I think. All right, cool. All right, well. Yeah. That that's a great answer. So <laughs> good. But I want to thank you for taking some time to to hang with me today. And oh man, it's it's a pleasure. It was yeah. really fun. It's it's nice to kind of escape reality and just talk. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, so. hopefully, uh, you know, we'll be able to to meet in person one day. Uh, yeah. Can catch you on a on a. Oh man, I would love to. Yeah, it sounds great. So. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to be in touch. And yeah, we'll have to do it again. That was awesome. For sure. And if you uh, want to check out Sean uh, and Jungle Fire, please uh, check the links 
in the show notes and, uh, you know, also keep an eye out uh, for uh, hopefully if Brian Setzer gets back out on the road again, uh, you know, check with, with Sean and uh, yeah, we'll be around. Yeah. yeah. Reach yeah. out. I'm online. Yeah. Anybody has questions or whatever, hit me up, man. I'm always down to, to talk, share knowledge, whatever. So. All right. All right. So thank you all for spending time with us on the hang. And as always, peace and slide grease. We out. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for hanging with us today. This podcast is all about creating connection through our mutual love for the trumpet life. I hope that you learned a few things about today's guest and had some laughs along the way. Don't forget to give us a review. We love those five star ratings. And please share this podcast with your friends. We want to see our hang grow for show. Have a suggestion for a future topic or a guest? Hit me up at thetrumpetgurus at gmail.com. Our opening theme was written and performed by Lexi Signor, and all other music comes courtesy of The Greatest Funeral Ever. So in the words of W.C. Handy, life is like a trumpet. If you don't put anything into it, you don't get anything out. So go out there and let your trumpet sound. And I'll see you at the next hang.